Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, as always, we'll start by going over the match day results. Prepare yourself. There's a few unexpected twists and turns in here, but let's get underway. On Friday night, Fortuna Dusseldorf scored the opening game of the match day weekend, but they couldn't hold on in Berlin as they lost to Hertha 3-1. Into Saturday, Paderborn won. Mines too, that keeps Paderborn bottom of the table, unfortunately for them. One of the unexpected games that, uh, or results, uh, as I mentioned, was Freiburg 2, Borussia Dortmund 2. Yes, we'll be talking about that one a little bit further into the podcast. Uh, more pressure on Favre. Then Timo Werner's 100th Bundesliga game for RB Leipzig wasn't all that cheery as Leverkusen held them 1-1. Another unexpected result, seeing Bayern Munich 1, Hoffenheim 2. Hoffenheim's first away win of the season and actually first Bundesliga win against Bayern. Yes, we'll be talking about that one in depth as well, I feel. The late kickoff game on Saturday then had Schalke 1 Cologne won into Sunday, where we had three games this week. Borussia Mönchengladbach scored three goals in 13 minutes to beat Augsburg 5-1. Yes, that puts them on top of the pile. Unbelievably so. Exciting times. The final two games see Wolfsburg 1, Union Berlin nil. That sees Wolfsburg continue to be unbeaten uh, this whole campaign. Unbelievable, really. Final game of the weekend, seen Frankfurt 2, Werner Bremen 2. And that does all the results for the weekend. Guys, so joining me, as always, is football grad creator and German football specialist, Manu Vett. Manu, you've been traveling quite a bit. Are you still awake? I am indeed. I am indeed still awake. Um, yeah, um, it's been an extremely busy week, Bryce. Traveling first to from Canada to Dortmund, doing uh, the game there, breaking the the, the fact that the ESPN um, deal is done, of course, and that was on last week's pod. Then at the midweek game, Champions League game in Leipzig, and then um, Saturday the game in Munich, and then I basically twenty six hours later was at BC Place in Vancouver to cover the final. MLS um, game of the season for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So, yeah, I got home last night. Um, I went straight to bed and I was sound asleep. I'm not going to say I was sound asleep like a baby because, you know, Chris has a little saying about that, so I'm going to leave that out. But, yeah, I'm pretty good, Bryce. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I don't want to know what that saying Chris has, but um, joining Manu and I, yes, is Chris Williams, Forbes writer, Liverpool Football Club specialist and German football specialist. Chris, how are you today? I now cover the whole of the UK, so I, I have to be called a UK 
football specialist, um, even though I don't know much about Welsh football. So that's something for me to learn. Um, but yeah, I've had a busy week, not as busy as Manu, um, or not as um, as culturally enriching as Manu is going across Europe and across North America. But yeah, it's been um, it's been a long but very fast week, if that makes any sense. Well, guys, before we talk um, uh, in depth about some of the results um, in Europe and in the Bundesliga, may I just say that this is the first time uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach have been at the top of the pile this far into a Bundesliga season since 1985. Chris, uh, what were you doing this early um, into a league campaign in 1985? Um, I would have been just turned seven, so... Um, don't really know what I would have been doing, probably playing on my bike. Um, Manu, what about yourself? What would you have been doing at the, that stage in life? Um, sleeping like a, like a baby, which means I was up at three o'clock in the morning shitting my pants. <laughs> I wasn't even born, eh? Wow. So, Not but I, that. I, well, I was born probably a month later, so, you know, it wasn't that long. But yeah, that's how far back we have to go. But before we talk about the Bundesliga, let's talk about that huge result for Bayern Munich uh, midweek against Tottenham. Chris, you had kind of wanted to curse uh, Tottenham, um, as we spoke about on the uh, last podcast, and it seems like you did a pretty good job of it. Well, I don't want to say that Bayern ran away 7-2 winners because Tottenham didn't give me accreditation, and I've seen most home sides win this season, but I suppose in a twist of fate that happened. Um, I don't think anyone expected that score though um, I was quite confident that Bayern would win Tottenham hadn't been playing particularly well prior to that their first game in the Champions League they let a two goal lead slip away at Olympiacos um, then they let a one nil lead slip against Leicester um, they won the next match after that but yeah then this game oof. yeah I thought Bayern were going to be in for a, a rough ride actually um, after Hung Min Son scored and um, one of my favorite players obviously German football fans will know him well as well. Um, but yeah, Bayern were just unbelievable. Um, and this is a real good um, time for me to put in. If you if you are one of those guys, and we do have, and girls, that we do have a few of them, a few of our listeners are, if you only look at football through an XG lens, this is a perfect example of why you shouldn't. Because I think Bayern were due 1.25 expected goals and they scored seven. That's why you should use your eyes. Love that, Chris. I love that you pointed that out. Um, I, I did, I did the match analysis. Um, so not a traditional match report for this one for the International Champions Cup. Um, I know you wrote something for Forbes ahead of the game for, um, on, on this particular game, um, Chris. So, um, yeah, there's quite a bit of content out on there, but it, looking at this game, looking back at it, the, the first, I would say the first 25 minutes or so really belonged to Tottenham, the first 30 maybe even. Um, I think that Bayern got that goal back real quickly and that really set the stage. And then Manuel Neuer was absolutely fantastic. I have it in my stats somewhere. I think he he made five stops in the first half alone and of those five stops, um, four of them came from inside the box. He had to be very, very sharp. I know he conceded two goals. Um, keep in mind that the second one was a penalty, which he almost kept out as well. So he was absolutely outstanding to keep Bayern in and then Oh my word, I um, Bayern, Chris Bayern scored on eight shots on goal. They scored seven. 
And that's that just says it all. And I think two of those goals came by Lewandowski. And I read an article today, um, speaking of XG, Lewandowski absolutely defies any XG expectations. Um, he scores from areas that most strikers don't score. I mean, Gnabry scored from areas where most players don't score. And that's maybe the difference between an elite side and a side that is not that much elite. Yeah, and I think everything that Bayern hit that night just seemed to go in the back of the net. And that's not to say that Larice had a bad game. I just think that, um, as you said, Robert Lewandowski was, um, was phenomenal. His first goal is wonderful. Um, his sort of... I don't I don't think it's a volley, but he, he sort of hops from one foot to the other. That is a wonderfully placed finished goal um, or a wonderfully placed goal to finish with. And and obviously, Serge Gnabry hits four. Um, time for that good old joke. What time does Tottenham kick off every 12 minutes? No. Good Lord. I, I enjoyed, sorry to rub it into any Tottenham uh, supporters that are listening, but um, Serge Gnabry has now scored the same amount of goals that Harry Kane has scored at their new ground, and that is a massive four. One of them did it quicker than the other, but guys, Bryce, real quick though, that that puts the whole question, the the, the whole debate that we had for a while, who's the better number nine, Kane to Kane or Lewandowski? We can put that to bed now, right? Well, this is it. I've I've had um, a few WhatsApp groups uh, that I'm in uh, this week uh, talking about. Um, whether Harry Kane is world class, and then they got into the conversation um, about um, Lewandowski versus Harry Kane, and and I was saying obviously that there's no question Lewandowski is the better player, or at least in in my eyes anyway. But um, how how do you two feel about this? I mean, we're going a little bit um, off piste, um, I suppose, but you know, it'd be interesting to hear your your take on it. No, he's he's off pace now. I mean, he was a couple of weeks ago. He was in sixty two point one goals. He's now at fifty eight point six. Price. So, the numbers are falling quickly. Now, jokes aside, <laughs> finished done. Uh, jokes aside, I I don't think there's a better attacking player on the planet at the moment. I, I'm I'm not saying he's better than Messi or Ronaldo overall, but at the moment, at this precise moment, when it comes to scoring goals, I don't think there's anyone in better form anywhere in the world at this very moment. So I'm not saying he's the best player in the world, but at you know, as you if you take it as a lens of where we are at the moment, I think there's no one better around right now. Uh, I'm in full agreement with that. He's the best uh, number nine in the world. And by that, I mean a traditional centre forward. I don't mean a player with the number nine on his back. Um, I think he is the best centre forward in world football, which sort of goes against um, what I heard last night in... The UK's Premier Sports, who have the um, La Liga, where their co-commentator said he thought Suarez was the best striker in world football, which I thought was a bit strange because he hadn't scored in the Champions League for two seasons. Um, and uh, he scores a couple of goals and apparently he's now the best. But yeah, for me, it's um, Lewandowski. And I think he is vastly underrated because... Um, of just how good Bayern have been and everybody takes it, oh yeah, Bayern have won the Bundesliga again, must be a Farmers League, which we know it's not. But I think he suffers from that and the fact that Bayern haven't been to Champions League final and he hasn't been able to showcase his talent with Poland at the very top of the world game either. I think he suffers from that. Um, When he's retired and he's no longer playing the game, I think everybody will look back and go, actually, he was one of the best in in this era complete. Well, you just look at what he does right now. I mean, there was an excellent article by Michael Goldman on, on Startsbomb. And you look at his numbers and it's 
you know, it, that's some next level stuff. Um, he, he scores from areas where no one else scores. Um, that that goal, the where he, the volley that uh, made it two one against um, Tottenham, for example, he set that play up, Chris. You know, he he came in from the right and he backheeled the ball over his defender, right, and then a couple of Bayern players missed it, and he just, he actually managed to get back to the ball, and while he was falling around, kind of around, right, he actually managed to hit that ball and still put it in the net. That is, I mean, that is incredible. He doesn't even, he doesn't only score in the areas that are the most dangerous for strikers. He scores from everywhere and he's able to set up players as well. And I think that is a combination that is very, very difficult to find, especially among traditional number nines. So yeah, I think, I mean, the numbers speak for himself. He, he scores on average in 0 0.75, um, games, right? Um, that is, that over his entire career is incredible. Um, and yeah, it will be, I think, you know, he might, he might need to win that Champions League trophy to ensure that, that spot in the Olympic because he's not going to win anything with Poland. But I think he is, um, he's going to go down in history, um, among the Ferenc Pushkas and those kind of type of players as one of the greatest. Yeah, and deservedly so, I believe, as well. With the uh, with the amount we see him every week, um, and then we obviously keep a, a close eye on the German side in Europe. You know, we see plenty of him, and he, he's just a wonderful player, isn't he? And a true out and out goal scorer. But um, guys, let let's talk about the uh, Bundesliga and the weekend. Uh, things didn't quite go to plan, did they, uh, for Bayern? And Bayern just haven't really. Um, been firing on all cylinders. Um, that, that can be said about a lot of the league uh, candidates. Um, Manu, um, let, let's go back to you and, and talk about what exactly happened. I mean, Hoffenheim winning their first uh, away game of the season. And as I said at the uh, top of the pod, uh, the first time they've ever beat um, Bayern uh, in Munich, um, you know, in the Bundesliga. And you know, th th this wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly um, what you would expect or what you would have seen from a Bayern teams of old so yeah the, I think the only play well two players the only two players that were in form in this one were um, maybe Jerome Boateng and uh, Robert Lewandowski Lewandowski of course scoring the equalizer um, but yeah I think what surprised me a little bit in this result that yes every team stumbles um, every team has that has that Champions League kick up right where you when you play midweek um and then you drop points on the weekend um i think that's something that a lot of teams around the world suffer from um, because it's not an easy transition i think what's a little bit surprising to me is that bayern in the last few years or throughout their seven title run didn't have that problem the champions league bug didn't bite them and i think um that is something that kind of surprised me I, I thought that they wouldn't play I didn't think they would hammer Hoffenheim the same way than Tottenham um, the the kind of result that they saw against Tottenham they you know they don't happen very often um, they're very very difficult to to take that form into the next game because you know um, it's just it just doesn't work that way um, but I did think that they would comfortably beat Hoffenheim because Hoffenheim of course going through a difficult transition period but Alfred Schröder, the head coach, did a very good job there to set his team up. Damian, the young Armenian forward who, who's come up through lower division German football um, and played at Jan Regensburg last year and they scouted him. We all know scouting department by Hoffenheim, which was uh, more or less set up by Lutz Fallenstiel, 
is one of the best in Germany and they found this kid and he just hit Bayern right where it hurt. You know, the same areas where Luke Baku with Hertha, uh, with Fortuna Düsseldorf last year, found areas to explore them and go, go behind the, the defensive line with pace. Adamian did exactly the same thing. And um, I think the, the, the big surprise for me is just that, you know, that they still haven't figured this out. Um, and I think that there may be the result in, in on, on, Wednesday, on Wednesday was a bit deceiving. I'm sorry, on Tuesday was a bit deceiving for them because they thought, okay, well, we just beat Tottenham 7-2. Um, we can just, you know, go half half gear against these guys from Hoffenheim and get the result. And they were just always a step too late. There was not enough precision in midfield. Um, you know, Gnabry did have, had, had an awful off day, um, as did Coman. Um, there wasn't much from Coutinho either. And then Hoff, and then the Kovac went through three, five, two, um, to try to rectify it. And that didn't work out either. The defensive line became even more porous. It's just a complete off day all around. And I, I think it's, it's not a good sign if you buy it. And now you're going into a two week international break, right? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting how they were just not able to keep that form. Yeah, Chris. Um, apparently, there's some issues, uh, not just with the uh, coaching staff, with with the uh, some of the stars there as well. We've seen Javi Martinez um, in tears on the bench. I mean, what exactly is going on with that side? I mean, so, as Manu said, it it did seem almost like um, you know that a bit of lack of respect when they played Hoffenheim, like they were just breezed through the game, but. Is there more going on behind the scenes that you know, maybe some people aren't, aren't aware of? I'm not 100 percent sure. You always, if if a side goes out and wins seven two, and then comes back home and gets beat two one against a side that they're you know expected to beat easily, then of course there's going to be questions asked. Um, but if if you look at the team that they put out, it wasn't a poor team. Javi Martinez wasn't particularly happy, but he can't say that the two defensive midfielders in front of him were um, substandard. And he really can't even argue about the replacement that came on um, on the hour mark, which was um, Perisic, who is an attacking player in himself. Um, so, you know, um, Kovac wanted to change shape and change tactics and and it obviously to try and, and get the game back at some point because he could see maybe it was going to slip away from him but yeah sometimes you win sometimes you lose it's a it's it's a very um as Manu's already said it's a very common problem midweek in the Champions League um that teams will come back and and their performance level will drop um it needs to be um sorted out because you can't afford to be doing that if you want to win the league, and you certainly can't afford to be doing that if you if you want to have consistency in your game. But um, Manu's already identified it. The the problems that we're seeing are problems that were there last season that were exploited, like Manu said, by those clubs already. Um, and in the end, that hampered their Champions League aspirations. If you just look at this season, we had that unsurprising, now I'm going to say, draw 2-2 against Hertha. Um, then they beat Schalke, who worst. I mean, they're still in a transition, but they've got their act together now. But they whipped um, David Wagner Schalke in, in just his second game, three nil. I don't think that happens again now. To be honest, if they were to play each other um, like next week, if they could, uh, then they beat Mainz, who I, you know, Manu and I will say aren't one of the best sides in the league and haven't been for the last few years. That isn't any real surprise. 
Leipzig, all right, they drew. Um, Cologne have been playing dreadful football, so they've beaten them. But when teams really go at them, they give them a problem, and, and they found that at Paderborn. Um, you know, Paderborn ran them close in that small, tight stadium, which um, you know is very noisy when everybody's behind them. And, and they've fallen to a, um, a Hoffenheim side who maybe beat them in the tactic stake and also beat them in the um, in the states of who wants the game more. I mean, they're lucky that when they come back, they're going to play Augsburg, who aren't the best side either. And I know that's a local derby, but you would expect Bayern to bounce back from that. Um, but it's later on in the season where we see, you know, they, they'll host Union Berlin, who I, I think have maybe dropped down um, in my estimation. And I think they're finding it hard to adapt to the league. Um, and then they've got a tough game against Frankfurt. And then we go just before the next international break. They play against Dortmund in the Classica. Um, now th- that is going to be a big match for both head coaches. So um, I think we'll have a lot more to talk about both sides after match day 11. But at the moment, it's just same old Bayern, I think, um, which is good for the league. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the situation is come match day 11. Um, Manu, I mean, we're talking about Joe Byron not being great last season, having a few issues and uh, it continuing into this season. I mean, they've dropped seven points in the first seven games um, already. I mean, it's early doors, but you know, is Nico Kovac under pressure once again? I mean, we, there were certain points last year where... We were saying that the pressure is mounting. Is, is it happening all again for him? I think the noise is a little different. Um, what struck me a little bit about, you know, working at the Allianz Arena on Saturday and I, I went to the mixed zone hoping to to talk mostly to Alfonso Davies, right? Because Canada has a U.S. national team, U.S. game coming up. Um, so I wanted to get a few quotes from him, but... All the Bayern players walked past us. You know, none of them spoke. The the only reason I got Manuel Neuer is because I, I got a DFL exclusive with him. So, you know, I was able to speak to him. But um, the, the rest of the players all refused to talk. And Thomas Müller um, actually snuck out. He didn't, he managed somehow to sneak past the, the mixed zone um, and uh, didn't even speak to anyone. And Kovac made then this unfortunate comment that, um, Thomas Müller isn't anything but an alternative at the moment, right? Uh, so you get the sense that it's 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 also finely balanced right now. The club is either very enthusiastic and and seventh heaven like they were against Tottenham, or it's all is very bad, and it can go from one day to another, and that makes that makes for a complicated atmosphere at the club and. I don't think they want to add any kind of coaching deba- debate to that as well, right? Like they had last year, um, at this exactly at this time of the year, they had, they had a very, very, the atmosphere was very poisonous. Um, I think it was about a year ago that we had that famous press conference, right? So I think they don't want to add fuel to the fire. Um, they went to the Oktoberfest on Sunday, for example, and you see all the players smiling and Kovac smiling. I, I it's hard to say whether that is the reality. If if this, the, the people just making unfortunate comments, or the, the players are just basically banding together because that, that's why they're not speaking to the press, or if this is just a facade, you know, you know, a Potemkin village trying to show something that's not real. 
Um, and it's really interesting that the, the bosses, and I saw the bosses walking into the dressing room right after the game, and it's always a little bit of, you know, the Empire Strikes Back when they walk past you. Um, it's it's complicated to say, and I, I don't, I, I think we really, the, the real big question comes with the results after the break, right? What will happen after the international break? And I think the next international break is going to be an interesting one in this league, um, as Chris has alluded to, because... Right, Chris. It's right before the international break that Dortmund and Bayern play against each other, right? Yeah, it's the last. It's the last game, so that um, that is the, obviously the top spiel on Saturday night, um, and then the Sunday games. Well, there you go. I think, break. I think both those teams might go into that game, maybe with the last straw to hang on to their title chances, right? And the loser of that game could be in real trouble. Just something to look out to. And I, I think that it's all building up nicely to that. Bryce, I think, unfortunately for Niko Kovac, um, because I think he's a great coach, um, and it, every time I've spoken to him, he's a really nice guy. He's suffering from not being a really big name. He's at one of the top five clubs in Europe, and he's not a top five draw manager. So he isn't Pep Guardiola. He isn't Jurgen Klopp. He isn't um, Diego Simeone. He, he isn't any of those big characters. So anytime there's any problem, they're going to look to, oh, is it the coach? Do they need a bigger coach? Do they need a better coach? Um, he's Unfortunately, he's, he's suffering from that. And the only way you'll be able to shrug off that um, is by winning the Champions League with Bayern because he's already won the double and people are still giving him grief. So if he was to win the treble and he equal what um, Jupp Heynckes did, then I think he would be regarded in that same circle of, of top coaches. But until that happens, unfortunately, he's just the ex-coach from um, Frankfurt. And, and that might not do so. I find it really Bayern. interesting that you mentioned that because everyone mentioned Mauricio Pochettino in that same line of elite coaches, right? And here's a head coach that has the start is a few weeks old, so it's probably gotten worse by then, but he had lost 14 out of 34 competitive games. And this is like, I think three or four weeks ago, right? Yet he still carries that big name coach. I mean, tack, because he happened to accidentally reach the Champions League final. Um, maybe Kovac suffers a bit from the fact that he doesn't have that star quality. If that makes sense, you know, as you said, he's not a big name, but Unlike Pochettino, he's actually won something, not just with Bayern, but also with Eintracht Frankfurt. So, I, I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I agree with you, Chris. I think um, I would have said that maybe with Poch um, and him being regarded as a great coach is probably because, and you know, either you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Spurs aren't really expected to win very much, where Bayern are expected to be challenging all the time. And winning all the time, so it's it's a very hard gig to get. Yes, you may have some riches there, um, but the history is almost a burden at the same time. I would imagine, you know, because you've always got to be number one in Germany, and you've got to be up there. And I would say at least number four in Europe. No, yeah, I think having maybe a Croatian background and uh, an immigration background in Germany and being only a Bundesliga star maybe doesn't help you um, as much either. You know, there is there's a little bit of, um, yeah. I think sometimes th th there is also a star quality to an actual name and maybe Kovac doesn't have that. But yeah, I, 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 we shouldn't con focus too much on um, 
you know, the, the fact of Pochettino, I'm just saying it's an interesting comparison between the two because Pochettino has been, of course, long alluded to be maybe a replacement for Kovac. And I think those days are long gone now. Yeah, you never know. It could be soon enough that we see a bit of a manager merry-go-round day or a coach merry-go-round day, depending on where you're uh, watching your football. But another man under a bit of pressure is Lucien Favre. We're going to talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund. It was their third 2-2 draw in a row in the Bundesliga as they managed only to draw with uh, Freiburg. Freiburg, very much a side that we will speak a a little bit uh, more about as they've been impressed pressing once again this season but um, for Borussia Dortmund Chris we expected a lot more from them this season they they operated well in the uh, transfer window last year we've seen signs of them coming on greatly and unfortunately they just couldn't get the job done but everything was looking positive this season I mean you know for for them after seven games to be sitting in eighth with only 12 points is, and yes, it's early days, but it's not exactly going how we would have expected. No, it's not at all. And um, I think if we're going to look at the two head coaches side by side, I think Lucien Favre is under more pressure now than Niko Kovac because of the money that the Dortmund hierarchy spent in getting him, which on paper, and as we all know, football isn't played on paper, but on paper, they do have a better squad. Um, well, until Coutinho came in but they shouldn't be eighth with that squad. Um, and for some reason, they they brought in Hummels to shore up that defence that occasionally leaked goals last season, um, very naive goals, but they're doing it all over again. Okay, the goal um, that goes in at the very end um, off Berkey is uh, unlucky if, if you're a Borussia Dortmund fan. Um, Berkey sticks his leg out. Does he? Should he have stuck his leg out? That's probably, you know, we probably need thirty minutes to discuss that anyway. But he did, and it went in. So I can see how Lucien Favre is probably not very happy. Um, but still, with that team he's putting out, they should be winning, even at difficult places like Freiburg, who play excellent football. And you know, they've got that midfield band of four. Um, I still think that the the double pivot and Royce above them should be giving them more than enough troubles. And I know they had a very good result midweek um, against Slavia Prague, but at nil-nil, um, Slavia missed a real good opportunity to go 1-0 ahead. And it was another defensive error. Had that gone in, I think we would have been looking at a different result for Dortmund midweek. But um, So this comes as no surprise to me. Uh, re-watching the game today, you could see, just like we've said on plenty of times last season you could feel that goal coming before it did you could see it and the whole of the Dortmund side could see it the bench could see it father and his staff were so animated they could see as from 82 83 minutes onwards you could just feel that goal was coming and that is a problem because every team that plays Dortmund now will smell that fear almost and they'll exploit it and and teams have and they will continue to do that until the defence is sorted out. Now, if we're looking at coaches who can come in and sort a defence out, there is one man who's been muted to be learning German and who is friends with Mr. Watzke, um, who could come in and he would shore the defence up because that is one of his key styles. I just don't know if he would sit well with all the youth team in front of him. Jose Mourinho. 
Ah, here's a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that you know he would sort that out. His teams are built on one nil and two nil victories. Sometimes it can be anti-football if you think all the way back to his inter side that won the Champions League at Bayern's expense. That was anti-football, but he gets the results. And at the minute, Dortmund need a solid rebuild at the back. I don't mean player-wise. Well, and also a lot of players are not playing. That you know, Favre is not rotating. They bought this uh, kid from Argentina. Anyone remember him, Balerdi? Supposed to be the next wonderkind. We've not seen him. He, he's an Argentina squad, by the way. He's not played for Dortmund, but apparently he's good for the good enough for the national team. Not good enough for. A father while Akanji is stumbling around like, um, you know, had to, had to a few too many at the Oktoberfest. Um, this is harsh, of course, but yeah, I agree. I mean, something needs to happen with that defense because it's not the attack. You know, if you're scoring two goals against the likes of Bremen, uh, the likes of Freiburg, you should be winning those games. That, that's for me the bottom line. You just should have won the game against Bremen. Um, I was at that game when they, 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 it sh- it, that game should have been done and dusted. They should have won that. Um, I did um, I did not go to the game in Dortmund. I was in the Allianz, right? I, so I followed the results and saw the highlights later. But they should have won that game as well. Um, but And it's not the attack. It's the defense. And yeah, that needs to improve massively. And either Favre sorts it out or someone else will. I just think it's odd that Hakimi, who's played quite well recently um, and come up, you know, with a couple of, of important games, a game-changing um, goals, has found himself as a right-back being played left midfield. Now, I know they need to rotate, but if you look at the quality that they've got on that, that started that game on the bench, um, Brandt, um, Jakob Larson, Sancho, um, even Schmelzer, who can play a little bit further forward, that is his actual side. It just seemed odd to me. If you're going to have to play Hakimi um, as a left forward, maybe you should just change your system in order to accommodate some of the other players that fit, which is a real big criticism of Lucien Favre because you know that he is going to do go out with his team on 4-2-3-1 and his first substitution is going to come around about the hour mark. And that's exactly what happened again this week. Yeah, and if you Christian Streich, who is one of the best managers in the league, you know, you, you're going to know that that's what he's going to do. You know, you're going to predict it and um, you're going to adjust accordingly. And I think that's, that's quite right. I think when you look at Favre's playing philosophy, the way he wants to play football, the idea behind it, it's, it's world-class. It's it's like Bielsa, right? Um, he is he's a fantastic, fantastic manager. He's a fantastic. Um, he has fantastic ideas when it comes to the game. the The way he the way he sees a game, the way um, he watches a game, etc. It's all in theory is all fantastic, but it's almost like he's a bit of a technocrat, and he's his ideas can't he has a hard time getting his putting his ideas into practice and when the ideas work he's he's very slow to change the ideas to change to um to change to an ever-changing reality and i think that is that is a big a bit of an issue and he, he has to figure that out because um 
once again, the way the league is shaping up, they have a fantastic opportunity to win the league because I think Bayern are going to drop points more often. But if they don't sort this, um, it, it looks a lot like, you know, Chris, what this reminds me of, it reminds me a little bit of um, when things started to go off with, with Peter Bosch. Um, I remember around match day eight or nine, I, I saw them play against Stuttgart. Uh, I mean, they dropped points in similar fashion um, that season and the atmosphere and everything around the club, it kind of reminds me of that. And we had a similar scenario that uh, Bayern that year didn't start very well either. And it was a very much a lost opportunity in the end. And I, I it kind of feels similar-ish to Dan as well. And Peter Bosch is another one. Fantastic. His theory of football is fantastic. It's just very hard to put into practice. Yeah, that's a good shout because that's what it does feel like. It feels like Dortmund were um, playing some superb football at times, especially the opening to last season. Um, they were excellent. And I think it took half a season for teams to maybe catch on to it. And then the back end of the season, you know, the, what I call a business end of the season, from March onwards, they weren't particularly that good. Um, started to drop points here, there and everywhere. And this has continued into the season. Now, I think it'd be a long shot to say um, Lucien Favre's system's been worked out by everybody. But three 2-2 draws on the bounce tells me that maybe they're lying a little bit of trouble ahead for him because teams can work it out. I mean, basically, you stop the ball getting to the front three and being them unable to submit the ball to whoever's playing as a central striker, be that Gotzer or Alcacer. If you can stop the ball getting to the halfway line or just before it, you can stop Dortmund playing. Um, if you deny Axel Witzel and Thomas Delaney the areas to play in that half space and play the ball forward, you deny Dortmund to play football and then all of a sudden you're looking at a back four where you can pick off easy and that's what um, teams have been doing for the last month. Well, guys, we talked about you know, how interesting it could be when it comes to the next international break. Um, just a very quick yes or no from both of you. And I'll run through the fixtures first, but um, the, the yes and no question will be, do you see Lucien Favre um, surviving and still being the Dortmund coach after that spell uh, or after that break? I mean, their upcoming games are going to be Borussia Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan in the Champions League, Schalke in the league again, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Pokal, then Wolfsburg, Inter Milan, and then Borussia Dortmund will finally face Bayern Munich. Uh, Chris, yes or no? Do you see him being in the position after that international break? If the results don't go the right way, no. But I also think if they get battered on match day nine in a Veltins by Schalke, he might be on his way out. I'm going to say yes, because Dortmund will not drop points. They never drop points against the big sides. Um, it's almost like they prefer playing the big games. So uh, I, I actually expect them to do much better against teams that are not Freiburg, Bremen and Frankfurt. And this is, this is, this is typical for Favre. I saw a statistic last year. They had 31 points, um, the most of any team in the league against the top seven. And they had the least amount of points of any team in the league against the bottom three. Um, for Dortmund are terrible when it comes to getting the easy points and they do much better against big teams. So maybe the stretch will actually help them a little bit. 
Well, time will tell. We'll see. It's going to be interesting regardless. Um, Christo, a quick word about Freiburg. I mean, we said last week about how impressive uh, they've been and how impressive a setup that they have had, that they've been able to compete for a, no offence to them, but a, a fairly um, small club. You know, they're, they're having a fantastic season and this was a another um, very impressive result for them. Yeah, it was. And under Christian Strike, they continue to punch way above their weight um if you look where they are even just after this draw um, they're in fifth which is places above where they should be going on the size of the club and the amount of money that they generate and bring in they should be somewhere between 10th and 13th regularly um and because of the coach and because of the way the club set up i genuinely think that 15th and 16th and 14th is is too low for them but a mid-table finish is perfect for them year in year out so for them to be you know punching up in the top three at one point and then still in the European places is excellent and as I said last week if anybody's looking to go to a to a ground you know go down to Freiburg's before it gets demolished and rebuilt. Yeah, I'll definitely try to. You also mentioned about a Christmas market, eh? All of the above appeals, may I say. Let's talk about uh, RB Leipzig then. Um, Manu, we had mentioned um, just, it seems, um, no length of time ago, just a few weeks ago, that you know, this could really be their year as well for the uh, for the title, um, especially as things have started so well under uh, Julian Nagelsmann. But now uh, three games without a victory as they drew with uh, Leverkusen over the weekend. Um, a little bit of a tricky spell for them um is this anything to be concerned about one answer no because and i'm with i'm in full agreement with herr nagelsmann um that will give you a tickle chris the because he was under a lot of fire at the press conference after the um, olympic Lyon game and the press saying his side was uninspired and didn't create chances. Now, when you look at the hard data of that game, and um, you see that they had fifty-seven, no, fifty-nine percent possession, and outshot Lyon. Um, the reason that they did not win that game is because Timo Werner and Yusuf Paulsen missed three one hundred percent chances. XG, you know, you put them away. That's kind of XG, and they didn't, they didn't capitalize from those chances, and then two individual mistakes in defense lost them that game. Now, that's not a form crisis. That's what happens when you have a squad that's an average age of 22.7 playing in the Champions League against a side that has been in the Champions League for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, that is, things like that can happen. And it was a similar story against um, against Schalke on the weekend. And then I think it was a very similar story against Leverkusen as well. So, I think it's a ref it's a result crisis, not a form crisis, and I think they're going to be just fine. I think Nagelsmann um, and his side are learning quite a bit from this, and I think if you want to have that kind of result crisis, this is the right time to have it. But yeah, I think they will be just fine. Um, you know, for them to have that international break too uh, for Nagelsmann is going to be quite quite an opportune moment because it will give him two weeks to work on some of these smaller things, to work with a lot of the very, very young players um, and sort of get get a lot of the issues 
especially when it comes to positioning, just playing the ball out clearly out of the back, um, you know, things that are routine for a lot of other teams to to get that sorted a little bit. And Nagelsmann will have a rather tough uh, task after the international break uh, as RB Leipzig. I just want to add one thing, Bryce. I dare every journalist to say something critical to Julian Nagelsmann at a press conference. This is a dare. If you are a journalist listening, I dare you. Try it. It's it's quite entertaining. I I thought it was just, no, you don't do that. I mean, (laughs) I I think some of us have learned um, that the hard way. Yeah, I... I, Chris, uh, let's talk about uh, Leverkusen then. They've showed um, a little bit of an improvement. Um, As always, uh, they score. Um, As always, they concede. Uh, But uh, they'll be happy enough with this uh, draw, will they not? It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm not sure if they will. I'm... When you look back in the history books, this will be a draw and, and points shared. But um, re-watching this game today, because uh, obviously we can't watch all these games at once. So I watched this game, Bryce, whilst I was on a cross trainer. You'd be pleased to hear that. Um, I was in the very gym. Very proud of you. Thanks very much. Um, but at one point, I wanted to pick my iPad up and throw it across the gym because I was frustrated that Leipzig couldn't finish. So if I'm Peter Bosch, I'm thankful that they couldn't finish because that could have been a similar score to the Dortmund game the other week. Um, so whilst the history books will show a 1-1 draw and a share of the points, um, I wouldn't be so happy if I was Peter Bosch, because um, the, the chances are still being created by the opposition. Um, they were just fortunate that they weren't taken on this particular instance, and this particular moment. Yeah, missed opportunity then maybe. But um, guys, let, let's talk about the teams that you know. As I said at the top of the pod, that you probably wouldn't have uh, believed um, this uh, if we had said seven games in our first and second in the league. As we we talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg, um, so Schalke did have the opportunity. Um, to go top of the league. Um, David Wagner's team, obviously, as we mentioned last week, starting very strongly, but they didn't seize the opportunity. Instead, it was Borussia Mönchengladbach, the early kickoff game on Sunday, winning 5-1. And I think that that three early goals maybe saved the blushes a little bit um, from the Osberg uh, goalkeeper as he made a right mess of that fourth one. Uh, thankfully, it was the fourth and not the one and only goal of the game. Um, Manu, uh, Bruce mentioned Gladbach, would you have expected them after seven games to be the top of the pile, winning five, draw one, and lost? Um, No, I I did not expect this. I think, I don't think anyone expected Gladbach. I mean, a lot of people expected Gladbach to be there and thereabouts, you know, the the top, top half of the table, but... Um, no, Bryce, they signed a very, very good coach in Marco Rose, um, a coach who is very talented, has a clear footballing philosophy and maybe fits this club a little bit better than uh, Dieter Hecking did last year. 
And this is no disrespect to Dieter Hacking. I think Dieter Hacking is a very, very good, experienced coach. But I think that Max Eberl was was right making this change. Um, and you you see what what fascinates me about Gladbach is the the football philosophy that you saw very much in place at the, at um, RB Salzburg. It's that really creative football. And yes, Jesse March at uh, Salzburg. Out, shout, out, shout out to the other Bundesliga podcast guys. Just don't change it to the Bundesliga podcast because that's still us. But um, they play really good attacking football. And I think that we have a little bit of a theme going on. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. That there's a lot of coaches right now with that Red Bull philosophy in the Bundesliga and all at the top of the table. And I think that's no coincidence. So... You look at this this Gladbach side. I think they they are almost made to play this kind kind of football, and um, good for Marco Rosa to stick to that philosophy to go from from the Austrian Bundesliga, which is a couple steps up, down from the Bundesliga, um, even though Salzburg has given Chris a proper scare, um, and continue with the playing philosophy and having success with it. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun with Gladbach this year. Chris, um, let's talk about Wolfsburg as well. I mean, probably unexpected as well. Such an early positive start by them. I mean, sitting in second, you know, it, it seems like no length of time ago we were talking about you know, Draxler mentioning that the best thing about Wolfsburg is that it was just one train journey away from uh, Munich and it seemed like the um, the atmosphere was so sour um, around the club. Um, things looking somewhat more positive these days the back end of last season looked good and you know that seems to have continued into the start of this campaign yeah that is a long train journey because it's berlin price not munich it's, it's an hour from berlin um but oh I, my bad <laughs> I knew what you um yeah wolfsburg have i think we saw last season the the start of them getting their act together um, i'm not sure if it can last i'm going to be honest I think they may tail off, especially when the sides below them um, get their act together. I mean, if you look where they are, they are second and, you know, they deserve to be second. But if you look at who dropped points this um, particular match day, um, Bayern, Leipzig, um, Schalke even, all dropped points. And had they not, um, uh, you know, they would have been a little bit further down the table than they are. But that's not to say that they're not having a great start to the season and, they'll be real thankful because it's only a couple of years ago when they were back-to-back relegation candidates. So for them to shrug that off and to be back up um, at the top of the, the, the table, because, you know, they weren't champions that long ago. They're not, it wasn't that too long ago in, in um, recent memory. So, yeah, they're they're a big side. Obviously, they've got a big backer. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how long it can last. I'll tell you what, Bryce, if they're still in the top four Come the winter break, I will be exceptionally impressed. But yeah, Gladbach on top of the table um, and Marco Rosa at one point um, heavily linked to Borussia Dortmund last season. Um, Yeah, so maybe that might be a missed opportunity come the end of the season if Gladbach is still sitting on top of the table. You know, Chris, what I like about, and this this is another Red Bull connection because Oliver Glasner, of course, he came from Las Glinsk, right? Um, Also from the Austrian Bundesliga also has a Red Bull background. He came from the um, Salzburg Academy system, um, just like Rose did. Um, 
and also managed to take that philosophy, that playing philosophy from Lusk, um, where he did very, very well last year, um, finishing second in the Austrian Bundesliga. And now he's just basically took that philosophy and he's, he's had the guts to, to put that on a side that under Labadia played very well last year. Uh, I think that takes, that takes a lot from a coach to decide to do that and stick to the guns and basically get results that way too. Yeah, and when we spoke to our friends over at the other Bundesliga pod, you know, they told us exactly what we could expect from these two coaches this season. Um, and then for them to be one and two in the Bundesliga, I think tells us a lot about Austrian football. I certainly um, saw it firsthand on European duty for um, the Football Grad Network this this week just gone at Anfield where Salzburg played exceptional football. And, and we're starting to see that replicated now by other sides in the Bundesliga, as you quite rightly say, I've got that connection. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously Leipzig with the biggest connection of all. Um, they could they could be top of the table had they taken their chances, um, not just in this game, but maybe in that game against Bayern also. So, yeah, it's exciting time for the league because at the moment we're not seeing an establishment of the traditional top two. I mean, if you look at the Gladbacher on top with 16 points and then Dortmund at eighth on 12, well, you know, four points is recoverable very quickly. So once again, we've got ourselves a really tight league. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Of course, uh, here, here's a little fun fact. And I'm curious to know if you guys can figure out who the, the third one is in the top four, who also has um, an, a red ball passed. Um, of course, there's... We already mentioned Rose and uh, Glasner uh, at Gladbach and Wolfsburg, but there's actually a third coach, um, and that's Niko Kovac, right? We worked at RB Salzburg for for some time, um, and then of course we have further down the table we have Adi Hütter, who did very well. He worked with Eintracht Frankfurt. So out of the top nine, you have um, four clubs that are run by um, current or former RB Salzburg coaches, or you know RB. Akabi connection coaches, which is really interesting, and it shows you maybe you know that that of playing philosophy is is making its way into the league, and um, the league is also heading towards more attractive football once again, and it's also opening. It seems to be also leveling the playing field a little bit because this is basically some probably one of the more exciting starts that we have seen in some time. Yeah, absolutely, isn't it? I mean. There's not many a points separating, well, most of the table. But, you know, if you look, there's only two points separates, you know, first to seventh. You know, it, it's definitely leaving it interesting and entertaining for us. But, I mean, guys, we, we talked about Wolfsburg and Gladbach, um, you know, I suppose surprising us for how well that they've done this season. But, you know, in recent weeks, we've also talked about, you know, Schalke and, and Freiburg. I mean... Chris, for you, I mean, who at this early stage, yes, I know it's only seven games in, but who's impressed you the most, you know, out of the teams that I've, I've just mentioned or that are in that top seven? Uh, you know, is, is there anyone that stands out more so than, than the rest? I think it would be harsh for me just to pick one out, but as you've asked, I'm going to say it's Schalke because um, David Wagner's gone in there um, and he's slowly turned around after the first couple of match days, um, aside into uh, one that's playing really good football, really exciting and interesting football to watch, and also now supplying players to the national side. So for me, it's Schalke and, and the turnaround 
especially after watching the dire football um, that they trotted out under Tedesco and, and certain parts of last season as well. Um, yeah, to see David Wagner in there, I, I knew he'd do well because of, of the way his football was at Huddersfield and you know the the learning he went through at Borussia Dortmund with the second side. So I, I knew he would do well. I just didn't expect it to be this quick. And Manu, what about for you? Who would you pick in that top seven that's impressed you the most? This so Schalke is a good shout. Um, but I actually would go with Freiburg. Um, I've seen Freiburg. And what impressed me is the, the the depth that they have this year over previous years, which I think that means for me that they're not going to have anything to do with the relegation battle. Um, they play, as always, very good football. But also um, just the way that they, Christian Streich has the side set up. And, and Luca Waldschmidt, um, they have one of the most exciting young attacking players in, in Germany at the moment. He's rightfully nominated for the national team. And I think he will get some playing time against Argentina, considering how many injured players Germany have at the moment. I, I read today they have 450 million euros worth of injured players. Um, so he will get some playing time and is much deserved. He's a fantastic player. Um, really looking forward to see him in the Germany kit. And then, of course, Robin Koch, who's been surprisingly nominated by Joachim Löw as well, um, a young defender, defensive midfield player, who's played every single game this year for Freiburg um, and rightfully so got a call-up. So Freiburg supplying two players to the national team. And I think when you consider where they are after match day seven, yeah, that's very much deserved. And it is it really impresses me, um, considering the resources and the funds that they have. Yeah, I would say that both you fellas um, are right in saying that. I mean, the two sides finished 13th and 14th last season. So what a fantastic start and uh, credit to both sides. And I will hold my hands up and say that I did not think Schalke would be doing as well as they were at this uh, early stage. Credit to uh, David Wagner there. Um, yeah, so guys, that um, leaves us going into the international break where Germany will be having a friendly against Argentina and then facing Estonia away from home. Um, Chris, what are you going to have uh, going on in the meantime? Maybe something that you would like to draw some of our listeners' attention to. Well, there's a, a piece on the Champions League build-up if you want to refresh your memory about how poor Tottenham were um, and how um, they should use Bayern as a benchmark. You can find that on Forbes. Um, any Liverpool fans who've got listening, just done a couple of articles on a, on two of their players, Sadio Mane and Joel, uh, Joel Matip. And then um, hopefully I'll have two pieces coming out within the next couple of weeks on um, a couple of German sides. Um, and you can find them on Forbes and they'll be pushed by my Twitter account, which is Chris78Williams. Fantastic. Yes, uh, look out for that if you uh, need more football in your life. Um, Manu, I'm sure you've got plenty going on as well. What would you like to draw people's attention to, apart from the fact that you need nah, to go sleep to sleep overrated. But um, yeah, it's international break, so we're going to reopen the debate about who should be Germany's number one. Ter Stegen, of course, getting the start against Argentina unless he falls victim to this injury crisis. Um, I, I spoke to Manuel Neuer about this on Saturday, and that article is live on Forbes. So um, if you want to go check that out, you can find it on my Twitter account. It's at Manuel Weff. But yeah, um, I also have had the pleasure to speak to Julian Nagelsmann and listen to his press conference. So there's an article on that on Forbes as well. I'm also going to do the preview for the Germany-Argentina game for um, fußballstadt.com and then 
probably a recap and i also have something planned for the for post game um and then of course i did the as i said earlier i did the match analysis for um bayern against tottenham the 7-2 historic match um for international champions cup so you can find that on the international champions cup homepage on their twitter account as well or on my twitter account at manolvf Oh, it's so busy as always, fellas. Good work. So, yeah, as the both the fellas said, uh, we go into the international break. But if you need uh, more football in your life, um, you can just head over to at Football Grad Live, the Twitter page or the website. There's plenty to see and read on there. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And that does us for now until the next match day, which will be after the international break. Until then, I'll feed us in. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag. Und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.